The title of today's message is Don't Get It Twisted. The title of our, today's message is Don't Get It Twisted. Have your words ever been twisted to mean something that you did not intend them to mean? I asked that question on Facebook this week and I had a number of people respond and say, it happens all the time. Can you guys relate to that? Somebody takes your words and they twist them to mean something that you did not intend them to mean. It happens all the time, doesn't it? It's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling because when someone comes and they have an agenda or, or, or they only want to hear part of what you said and they use it against you, it feels terrible, doesn't it, to be misunderstood. Raise your hand if you've experienced that. You've experienced your words being twisted to mean something that you did not intend. This happened to me about seven years ago in a pretty public way. My words were twisted in a national magazine. I won't say what the magazine was, but I was quoted in a national magazine, and my words were twisted, uh, twisted to say something that I did not say. You see, I had reached out to the author of the article, and I had asked him for some advice in a private email. I said, I said, I need some advice. I'm thinking about God is calling me to my hometown to do ministry, to plant a church. And I was telling him a little, about, a little bit about Orangeburg, that it's in the corridor of shame. We have a huge issue with poverty, and we have a huge issue with uh, racial division that goes way deep into our history. And I mentioned that Orangeburg was, uh, a, had two college, two African-American colleges, HBCU colleges, and I mentioned that the population was a majority African-American here in the city. And as I wrote this, I was asking for advice. What advice can you give to a white guy who wants to come and do ministry in a largely black community? Seems like a good question, right? I'm looking for advice. And what I got was not advice, but what I got was a question. And he said, he asked me, why didn't you want to plant among rural or poor white people? And it kind of took me off guard. I was like, well, there aren't really that many rural, poor white people in Orangeburg. Like that's not really the majority of the population in my hometown. And so I wrote to him in the email and I said, it never occurred to me to plant a church focused on white people in Orangeburg because there's such a small minority of the population. But then I went on to say, however, we certainly will minister to all the people who come through the doors of our church. Uh, we will, and, and we will focus on uh, people, hopefully, in proportion to the population. And I said, the church should look like Walmart. Like, whoever's at Walmart, that's, who, that's what the church should look like. Uh, Except don't dress like you go to Walmart, okay? Dress a little better. Well, to my surprise, a few months later, I was reading a magazine online that I have, you know, don't read anymore, but I used to read all the time. And I was reading an article written by the man that I reached out to. Um, the title of the article was, White People Need Jesus Too. White people need Jesus too. 
And as I read, I recognized a quote that I had not given permission for. And he didn't use my name to his credit, <laughs> but he quoted me directly. But here's what he quoted, just this part. It never occurred to me to plant a church focused on white people, period. He didn't mention the next two words in Orangeburg. He didn't mention the reasons that I gave listed right after that, my rationale. He had an agenda, right? He was writing an article with a purpose. And so he took my words and twisted them by leaving out the majority of them to say what he wanted to say. Have your words ever been twisted to mean something that you did not intend? And I think we all agree that we have. We all raised our hand just a minute ago, but I got news for you, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. Get used to it. Get used to it, because you know what? We live in a world that has abandoned the truth. We live in a world that says meaning is whatever I decide that it is. American society has abandoned the idea of objective truth. We have abandoned the idea that there can be any meaning to life or meaning to any given circumstance or even meaning to words that were written in an email, in a Christian magazine. We don't really care anymore about what you meant to say. All we care about is what I heard. All we care about is how it made me feel. And so, y'all, we have abandoned truth. We have abandoned meaning. Listen, I'm not going to get political, but I am going to say this. Donald Trump claimed that the election was stolen despite the evidence. Why? Because the evidence doesn't matter. It's how do you feel about it. The truth doesn't matter. It's we've redefined the truth. Truth and meaning are how you feel about it. Let me go to the other side of the political spectrum for a minute. Oprah said this, sometimes you have to do things that people say you shouldn't do to find out what's true for you. To find out what's true for you. So Donald Trump and Oprah agree that there is no truth. Well, that the truth is located in you and what you decide is true. What's true for you? That is what our world believes. So are people going to misrepresent you in this world? Absolutely. Get used to it. And we do the same thing to God. We do the same thing to God's Word. When we open God's Word, we're not really seeking the meaning of what God has said. What are we seeking? What I get out of it. We're seeking, what do I hear? How does it make me feel? How does it make me respond? What am I getting out of it? We take the meaning from ourselves rather than from what was put into the Word. And so this summer, y'all, as we've been studying uh, the sword of the Spirit, we've laid out the history of the Old Testament, the history of the New Testament, when we've gone through this method of Bible study that we practice as a church called Kama. And Kama stands for see, 
context. Come on, y'all. O, observation. M, meaning. The second M, main idea. And the A, application. Right, so we have, when we approach the Bible, we start with, with comma. We start with context. We, then we move into observation. Let's see what it says. Then we move into what's the meaning. And that's the focus of this sermon today is on how do we find the meaning of what is said in the Scripture. And so we're going to get very practical about what does it mean to find the meaning of the Scripture. Because otherwise, we're going to do what we do. We're going to twist God's Word. And, and look, I don't think we do it intentionally all the time. And honestly, the, the guy who wrote the article... I mean, I think he was just trying to make his point. He wasn't thinking about twisting my words. And when I confronted him on it, just so you know, he apologized and he retracted it from the article. Okay, that's how Christians should deal with stuff, right? We confront each other, we say, hey, I was wrong, I'm gonna retract it. So he retracted it, at least that part of it, of the article. So that's good, right? Go God. But this is really nothing new, taking God's Word and twisting it. Open your Bible, uh, you should already be there in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse, verse 16 through chapter 4, verse 4. And I know this was read earlier, but I want to read it one more time because I want you to listen for the way that God's Word is being twisted, okay? And, and, and if you remember, where's, where's 2 Timothy? Can you see it on, on our timeline? Where's 2 Timothy? Should be way over here somewhere. Oh, right up here? 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus? Is that right? So 2 Timothy's right in the middle. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, went on missionary journeys where he wrote these letters. He got put in prison, which is where he wrote these letters. And then after he was let go from prison, he wrote three letters to pastors. Tim, or two, two, three letters to two pastors, Timothy and Titus. And so these are some of the last words that the Apostle Paul wanted uh, a young pastor named Timothy to know. And here's what he says. All Scripture is breathed out by God. That means it's inspired. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Paul, think of Paul. He's this old, grizzled missionary, apostle. These are the words he wants to speak to this young pastor. He says, in the presence of God, verse 2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Why? For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myth. It's no wonder that Donald Trump created his own social media company 
ironically entitled Truth Social. It's no wonder that Oprah has her own talk show so that she can put her truth to the world. But as Christians, as believers, what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to go to the source of truth. We are to go to the word of truth, the word of Scripture. The Apostle Paul charges young Timothy and he says, preach the word. Not your opinions, not your truth, preach the word. Why? Because people have itching ears, and we do, right? It's not the people out the door, it's us. We have itching ears to hear what we want to hear. And when we hear God's word and it makes us uncomfortable, then we find somewhere else where it makes us more comfortable. We seek to hear what our itching ears want to hear. And unfortunately, that leads us away into mythology. It leads us away into falsehood, to believing lies. And it can have huge consequences in our lives when we believe lies, can't it? So how do we find the meaning? This is where the rubber meets the road. How do we find the meaning in Scripture? How do we do it? I want to give you a simple answer, okay? And if you can write this down, write this down. It starts with this question. What was the original intended meaning of the Scripture? So if I'm reading a Scripture, the main question I want to get at and I want to ask is what was the original intended meaning? In other words, what did the author mean to write? What was he writing when he wrote down the words of Scripture? What was the author's intention, right? Because if you think about my email, I wrote the email and I had an intention. And I wrote words that had a specific meaning and and a specific purpose. And and the person who read it took a different meaning from it, right? But what what didn't he do? He didn't ask this question. He didn't say, I wonder what JP's intended meaning was for this email that he wrote me. He didn't ask the question. What was his intended meaning? And so, y'all, this, this leads to all kinds of conflicts, right? Because we hear things that people didn't say. And in today's world, that's all that matters. How did you hear it? How did it impact you? That's all that matters. But listen, that is not what God wants us to do. God wants us to go and say, what did you mean by that? If I'm, if I'm offended by what someone said, I need to go to them and say, look, I may, I'm, I may have misunderstood you. I need to hear you. I need to hear your, what, meaning. But we don't do that in today's world, do we? We're like Donald Trump. We're like Oprah. We import our own meaning into what people say. And we do it with the Bible all the time. And so the first question that we need to ask when we go to the Scripture is, what what was he saying originally? What was the original intent? What was the original message to the original audience? That is where we find the meaning. That is where we find the meaning. It's so important. It's in the original intent to the original audience. Now that takes a little work. 
right? Because it means that we have to do what we've been talking about for weeks. It means that we have to go back and understand something about the setting. We have to understand something about the genre of the literature, right? If I'm, le- if I'm reading the Psalms, I want to read it as it was originally intended, as a psalm. If I'm reading history, I want to read it as it was originally intended, as history. If I'm reading a metaphor, I want to read it as it was originally intended, as a metaphor. You understand? So it doesn't mean that you have to read everything with a literal wooden kind of... It just means that you try to get into what is the author trying to say. And what was the original intent of the author? That is where you find the meaning. Now some of you might be going, wait a minute. I thought God was the author of the Bible. You might be thinking, how do I know the mind of God? (laughs) Like, how do I get into what God is trying to say to me? And and, and I think that's an important question. It's a very important question. But what we need to remember is that the, the words of the Bible were not dictated by God. God did not whisper in the ear of the authors of Scripture, for God so loved the world. That's not how the scripture was written. That's not what inspiration means. That's not what uh, being God-breathed means. What it means is that God used the writing, the author, their style, their personality. God used everything about them to actually write down the words of scripture for us. And that all of that was, was, was controlled and, and overseen by the Holy Spirit. And so we can ask the question, what did the human author mean? Because if we find out what the human author meant, then we know what God meant. Does that make sense? Because God used human authors, just like he uses us in our day-to-day lives to love and serve people and to share the message of the gospel. And so we have to seek, we know God's the author, but we we have to go and ask, what is the what is the original intended meaning of the author? I want, to, um, I want to get into a little practical application here at the end, okay? And I, want to, and, I want to, and I want to do it this way. I want to give you a few warnings, okay? As you read the Bible, and look, I know, I know it's hard to open the Word and you read something, you're like, I don't know what this means. <laughs> this is hard. That's why we have teachers, right? That's why we have people who can help us to get the word. That's why parents help their children read the Bible. Because we, sometimes we need help. We all, a lot of times we need help. But I want to give you a few warnings. And these are things you can write down. I've, I've got them on the screen. And the first warning is this. This is as you're reading scripture and as you're trying to find the meaning. These are warnings. Number one, beware of treasure hunting. Beware of treasure hunting. Now, what do I mean by that? <laughs> Watch out for pirates. No, that's not it. What I mean by that is when you're looking for the meaning of a scripture, don't try to find a hidden meaning. So many people do this, y'all. You've done it. I've done it. When we read the Bible, we, look, we think that there's some hidden meaning. We think that there's some secret meaning uh, message, right? We think that there's some uh, secret knowledge that we have to, to sort of dig up, that there's some buried treasure that if we could just get down deep enough in the Word, we would, we would, we would find it and we would finally know the meaning. But this idea goes against the character of God. God wants you 
He wants to communicate to you who He is. He wants to communicate to you who you are. He wants to communicate to you what this world is like. He wants to communicate to you how you can be rescued and how you can become uh, saved and how you can be, become uh, an agent of redemption in this world. And so if God wants to communicate to you, is he going to put it in a code? No, he's just going to tell you. The Bible is plain, y'all. Now, are there hard things to get? Yes, there are some things that are hard. We talked about that last week. There's some things that are hard. Next Sunday, we're going to deal with the hard things, okay? But this Sunday, just remember, it's the plain meaning. When you read the scripture, you don't have to try to dig for treasure, okay? The meaning is on the surface. The meaning is right there. For God so loved the world. That is what it means. It means God so loved the world, right? And so we don't have to... We don't have to get out our shovels and try to find the hidden treasure. Beware of treasure hunting. And I'll tell you where I see this the most often. I see it in books about the end times. And I see it in conferences about the end times. Why? Because we're all like, what's going to happen in the future? So we're curious about that, right? Our, watch out, itching minds want to know. Okay, let's go back to 2 Timothy, right? Our itching minds want to know, what's it going to be like? And so when you look, I just did a quick search of end times books, and here's some of the titles. Ready? The Codes of Revelation, The Numerology of the Bible, Hidden Secrets of the End Times. Right? So, Good Bible study remembers that God is not trying to pull some wool over your eyes. God is trying to speak clearly about who He is in the Bible. So you don't need to go treasure hunting. And don't read books like that. They're misleading. Most of them are misleading, okay? <laughs> You're like, but, but pastor, I really like this book called Codes of Revelation. Okay, it's probably leading you somewhere that the scripture is not really leading you. Don't dig for treasure. Number two, beware of proof texting. Beware of proof texting. Now, what I, sometimes I talk about this as uh, fortune cookie Bible reading, where you, know, you pull out one little verse and you say, this is my truth bomb. <laughs> and I'm going to drop this truth bomb on someone. You proof text. In other words, you find one scripture that, that, that sort of supports what you already believe, right? And you proof text with that verse, which means that you say, this is the proof, it's in the Bible. You know, um, the problem with that is that God did not communicate to us in truth bombs. God communicated to us in books, in, 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 in every verse is connected to the verses right around it. And those verses are connected to the verses in that entire chapter. And that chapter is connected to all the verses in that entire book. And so as we search for the meaning, we can't just pull one little verse out in proof text. We have to ask, what is the meaning of the whole? How does this fit into the overall message of what is being communicated to me? The plain meaning, the original intention of the author. Does that make sense? All right, so the first warning is beware of treasure hunting. The second warning is beware of proof texting. 
And I want to give you an example of proof texting that I think will hit home. In the 1800s, there were, um, in, in the antebellum south, there were Bibles that were distributed among uh, the enslaved people. And these Bibles were often called the slave Bible. Have you heard of, raise your hand if you've heard about the slave Bibles. Okay, here's what they did. What they did is they proof texted scripture. What they would do is they would take verses that say things like, servants be obedient to your masters with fear and trembling, period. And they would leave out entire books of the Bible that talk about, oh, I don't know, God rescuing his people out of what? Slavery in Egypt? They would just literally rip them out of the Bible. They would not publish them with the Bible. They would only publish the things that supported their view of the world. That's proof texting. And we do the same thing. Wait a minute, I don't know. Yes, we do the same thing. Because we only like to read certain parts of the Bible. Or we only like to talk about certain parts of the Bible. And so we got to be aware of this, right? Beware of proof texting. Beware of proof texting. All right, number one, treasure hunting. Number two, proof texting. And number three, time traveling. Y'all like, what? Time traveling. Beware of time traveling. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that you take your uh, 21st century experience, your 21st century knowledge, and you transport it back to the Bible. And we need to beware of that. We need to beware of time traveling. We need to beware of taking our modern experiences in the present and forcing them onto the scripture. Why? Because how do we find the meaning? We need to know what the original intent of the author was. And so we shouldn't force today's understanding of the world onto the scripture. We should seek the meaning there, not here. Now, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about application, okay? And that's where we come to the present, and we talk about what does it mean for us today, okay? But right now, we're just talking about what is the meaning of it on its own feet. What does it mean? And that is connected with the intention of the author. Let me give you an example of time traveling. Uh, Marty McFly. No, I'm just kidding. Y'all know who, raise your hand if you know who Marty McFly is. Only the older people will know. Okay, that's all right. You got parents, show your kids back to the future. That's your assignment for this week. You've never seen that yet. See, you're, you're pretty young, Chelsea. <laughs> all right, so time traveling, what is it? Well, here's an example. There's a, there's a scripture that says that the sun rises and the sun sets from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, right? The name of the Lord would be praised. And so you might time travel and you might say, wait a minute, the sun doesn't rise. In fact, we know that uh, the earth orbits the sun. And so some people will take that modern knowledge of understanding of science, for example, and they will force it back onto the Bible and say, this part of the Bible is wrong. The sun doesn't rise. The sun doesn't set. In fact, uh, that's completely false. So the Bible's false. 
Why, why does that happen? Because what we're doing is time traveling. We're taking modern scientific knowledge and applying it to something that was written uh, in ancient times. We can't do that. We can't do that. What do we need to do? We need to try to understand what was the author's original intention. And from the standpoint of the author who's standing on the earth looking around at the creation, does the sun rise? Absolutely. From the perspective of the author in ancient days who doesn't know anything about astronomy, the sun rises and the sun sets. And we still use that language today, don't we? <laughs> right. Well, there's lots of examples of that kind of thing where we take our modern understanding and we time travel and impose it on the Bible. And when we do that, we can confuse the meaning of Scripture. Because what we first need to do is ask, what is it, y'all? What was the original intended meaning? What was the original intended meaning? Why is this important? Why is it important for us to, to be faithful in understanding and seeking the meaning of Scripture? It's important because, as the Apostle Paul says, a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers and churches and friends to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth. And they will wander off into myths. The reason this is important, y'all, the reason it's important for us to learn to do Bible study, to learn to, to follow the comma method or some other method that gets you into the original meaning of the text, the reason it's important is because we don't want people to wander off into myths, right? right? We don't want people to wander off into myths. We want people to know the truth. And the ultimate truth of the Scripture, the ultimate revelation of the Scripture is that the ultimate meaning is a person. The ultimate truth is the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And so the reason it's important for us to know the Word and to know the original meaning of the Word and to speak that and, and share that with one another and to have home Bible studies and, and, and to share with our children and to share with our neighbor and to share with our coworker the Word of God. As Paul said, preach the Word in season and out of season. And we're all called to that. We're not all pastors, but we're all able to teach and share with one another. And in that sense, preach. And what we want people to know is the truth. And what I mean by know is we want people to know Him. We want people to come away from reading Scripture more in love with God who made them. More knowledgeable about God's redemption and His plan to save us and rescue us out of our misery and out of our sin. And to call us into a new life. A new life that's full of life and joy a life of fellowship and a life of service and kindness that this world desperately needs. This world desperately needs Jesus and his people to be in this world. And that's why we have to get the meaning of the Bible. Because <laughs> otherwise, people will wander off into myths. Lord, please help us. Help us to 
uh, to, to, to read the scripture and not to bring our own ideas into it, but to truly be faithful to try to understand what it is that the original author intends. And with that, to understand what you intend. The Holy Spirit, as you inspired the authors of Scripture, Lord, would you inspire us? Would you give us insight into what it is that you're trying to say? And Lord, help us not to, to, do, to, 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 to proof text. Help us not to treasure hunt. Help us not to, 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 to time travel. But Lord, help us to, to truly seek to know what your meaning is and to help one another in that process. Lord, teach us. You're the teacher. You're the teacher. Teach us. You're the truth. Lord, may we bring our lives before you, the truth. Lord, forgive us for neglecting your word. Lord, give us repentant hearts that we would no longer be infants, but that we would be able to grow and eat solid food. Lord, even in our own private devotional time and Bible reading. Lord, make us mature so that we can share the knowledge of your will that is written in your word with everyone that we come across. Lord, we need your help. We need your grace as we fall short in so many ways. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.